Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. So basically, go to the end and turn left. I believe it's page 962. It's almost the very end of the Bible. And we're going to be kicking off a new series uh, called, <coughs> excuse me, The Wonder of Heaven. Uh, and looking at heaven today, so we're going to be talking, starting from Revelation. So we got that up there. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the last series that we do, the last sermon series before Christmas. I'm sorry, I said the word. But listen, it, I didn't go first. I was at Walmart getting some dog food. And guess what's up at Walmart. Christmas decorations. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They got the trees out, the inflatables out. We bought one. Yes, I bought one. I bought... Um, my wife didn't know. She wasn't there. Um, so I bought the one with... It was upside-down Santa Claus, so it's just the legs sticking up. You know, like you can put Santa on something. It just looks like he's stuck in something. And so we've got a well in our front yard. I'm going to stick it in there. So it looks like Santa fell in the well. It's going to be great. It's going to traumatize all the children. Um, uh, but, listen, you don't have to start decorating your house for Christmas yet. It's okay. Uh, you have time, right? Uh, it's, it's Halloween right now. Um, <coughs> some houses are already decked out for Halloween. Right, anybody anybody decorate for Halloween? You got your house? Got some stuff? A few of you? How about that? You, you like that? That's pretty. That'd be pretty impressive. There's a house in our neighborhood that's got all sorts of like big spiders and this huge jill. You've seen it right around the corner, right? Spiders have got this big skull with swirly eyes that go like this. Our kids are like, whoa. It lights up at night like... Some people are really, really decked out for Halloween. They got, you know, looks like a graveyard in their front yard or whatever. You know, this was this one's pretty impressive. That was the most creative one I saw. I think those are just like banners they have hanging and stuff. I could Photoshop that, but I think that's actually there. I think they did decorate that house like that. Um, some of you are serious Halloween people, but some of you are serious Christmas people, right? You get you get really serious for Christmas. Some of you are really serious about not doing anything. Like, I, I, I don't do anything decorating-wise. Like, you're really serious about that. Um, I will say this. How you decorate your house says something about you. It does, right? Like, if you have, like, you know, you have to have mums. It's the fault. We need mums and pumpkins and gourds. And, oh, we need a couple of hay bales. You live in suburbia. What do you need hay bales for? No, we need hay bales with some corn stalks, all right? For the squirrels, I guess. I don't know. You know, like, but you've got your nice looking fall. You know, it says something about you. Maybe a scarecrow here or there. You know, really, oh, this will be cute, right? And some of you are already decorating pumpkins and doing some stuff. Some of you just want to scare the bejesus out of little kids, right? And so you do this kind of stuff. And some of you just don't want to do anything. It says something about you. Um, you know, for Christmas, you know, our, our, our family, we do a few things. You know, we do candy canes. Do some like little light up candy canes. We do, um, uh, definitely colored lights. Have to do colored lights. Yeah, <laughs> that's the epitome of Christmas, right there. Right. That's that's the way to go. That's that's my dream. Right. I'm working on it. Now, I do colored lights because growing up, my mother only did white lights. So I've got this, you know, insatiable desire to do flashing, obnoxious colored lights. I just have to because for so many years we had a candle in every window. 
You had to go flick on the little candles in every window to make it look nice and quaint and a white outline and, you know, even the icicle lights. You know, everything was nice and white. It was just like, ah, now I just needed something obnoxious. So we have colored lights. I have an inflatable Yoda Santa. Yes, he has a lightsaber and everything. We have an inflatable penguin. Now we've got the Santa legs. I mean, we're good. We're on our way to making our house look as ridiculous as possible. And my poor wife. Um, my, my neighbor, though, he takes the cake because he has the leg lamp. Some of you know the leg lamp in the window, right? He's got the leg lamp. So every, every, from, it's a Christmas story from those you don't know from the movie. There's this, it's basically a leg with a lampshade on top of it. Um, and every, you know, every Christmas I know when, when it's, Christmas is here because in the window goes the leg lamp. And I'm like, oh, there it is. It's Christmas now. Now we can put on Christmas music. The lamp's in the window. Um, how you decorate says something about you. Um, the inside of your house throughout the year tells me even more about your house. You know, um, what's, what's on your wall? Think about what's on the walls of your house. First of all, is there anything on the walls? <laughs> Some of you, right? Um, do you have pictures of... <laughs> sorry. Do you have anything on your walls? Pastor Dre and Carrie are just moving in and they haven't painted yet, so they have nothing on their walls yet and they want to paint and I need to help them paint. So we need to get them painted so they can put some stuff on their walls and, and finish and make it home. Uh, but is it pictures of your family? Is it your diplomas? Right? Is it um, cool artsy stuff that you found on Etsy? I don't know. Like what's, what's on your wall, right? It, like that, that tells us something about you. Um, the kind of couches you have. Tell me something about you. If they're nice leather catches, if they're wrapped in plastic and nobody's allowed to sit on them, it tells us something about you. Um, you know, if they're covered in dog hair, uh, if there are stains all over them, because your kids are just running rampant and you know what, it's not worth buying new ones until they're old enough to know better. Right? So, okay, what do your couches look like? It says something about you. Um, Where are your TVs? This is a big one. Where are the TVs in your house? Is it in the living room? Is it in the living room? Is it in the kitchen? Is it in, is it in, you know, do you have a TV in your bathroom? That says something about you. Um, is there a TV in the bedroom? Those are decisions, right? Um, how many TVs do you have? That says something about you as well, right? Like we were talking about this with somebody yesterday. Like they said, oh, don't, I said, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. But they said, we got like a lot of TVs, right? A lot of TVs in the house. Um, your fridge. What does the condition of your refrigerator look like? Um, are there a few pictures that are nicely placed? Are there calendars? Does it look like every flyer that ever came home from school is on there and it's just covered in paper? Is it like paper mache? You know, are there magnets everywhere? Um, if your fridge is empty, if there is nothing on your fridge, I'm going to guess that I should probably have my shoes off and you have a Roomba. Okay? That's what I know about the fact that you don't have anything on your fridge, right? That's the kind, it tells me something about you, right? Uh, um, where you spend your time at home says something about you. Are you a living room person? Are you a you know, kitchen person? Where do you spend most of your time? Are you a, in the den, in the family room? Are you in, in your office? Are you the kind of family where everybody spends time in their own room and they never come out? You know, what's... What's your home like? Where do people live? Um, what you wear at home says a lot about you. I'm not going to address that at all. Um, 
the days, thankfully the days of the pop-in are over, you know, just don't just stop in because, you know, but what you, what you wear at home says a lot about you, right? Um, if somebody, some, some people might be surprised about what you wear when you're at home, um, because home is comfortable. Home is real, right? We got dressed up, you got dressed up to come here today, right? The only person who did not get dressed up to come here today is Dan, all right? Dan Schubert always wears a suit. Okay, he wears a suit to bed, he wears a suit ever. I've seen him mowing the lawn. Okay, Dan, is he runs in, in slacks, right? This is just Dan. He's the only one that does not get dressed up. All right, but everybody else, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Everybody is comfortable at home because home is real. It's where we're the most honest version of ourselves, right? Who you are at home is who you really are. Outside of home, we can put on a show. We, you know, we can, we can make it look good for a little while. But home is where we feel most real. It's where we get it the most. Where, you know, home is where you know where the snacks are. You know, you know if you're hungry, you know you can just go grab something. You know when you're at somebody else's house and you're kind of hungry but you don't want to say anything, you know? Like, but home, you can just go take it, right? Home, you know where the scissors are, right? You know where things are in your house. It's where you're most comfortable. It's where you understand the rules, you know, you, you, it makes sense. You just understand things. Whether it's right or not, whether home is good or not, you get it. You know how things work at home. It's where you're the most real and the most comfortable. Now, the one thing about your home that will tell me probably the most about you is this. Who's allowed in? Who's allowed in your home? That probably says a lot. More, more than even about the decorations or anything. Who do you let come over to your home? You know, as kids, it was a big deal, right? Who can you invite over to your house? Right? Who goes to your house? That tells you something. Who comes over your house? As a teenager, it became a little more, all right, I'm bringing a girl over. A what? Uh, what? Uh, uh, I'm sorry? Yep. Right? Like who? Like that's a big deal. Who comes into your house? It's one thing we're going out with friends, but if you're going to bring a, a boy or a girl home, whoa, that's a big deal. Right? Really big deal. College, right? Who? What friends come home for Thanksgiving. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. As adults, you know, who gets invited over just for dinner or to watch the game or to hang out and play cards or whatever? Like, that's a big deal. Grandparents, grandparents, they want everybody over as long as they leave on time. <laughs> like, I love you having over, but hey, uh, you got to go. NCIS is coming on. You guys need to leave. <laughs> right? Like, who is allowed in your house. It says you trust them, that you want them there, that you value them. It tells you so much about who you allow in your house. So here's a question. When was the last time you thought about the fact that God has a home? God has a home. See, it's called heaven. God says heaven is my home. And it tells us a lot about God. Heaven tells us all about God. It's God's home, and we're going to spend the next few weeks looking, taking a look around God's house. You know, we're going to do kind of like, you know, it's an inspection, you know, of, of the house of God. And what tells us the most about God's house really will be who gets to, who gets to come in, who's invited in, um, because he's invited you, all of you. You all get invited into God's house. So right off the bat, we know something about God. He said it's open to all. My home, mi casa, es su casa. 
Right? You can you can come in. My house is your house. And so let's take a tour of God's house. And I want to challenge you as we do this. Evaluate what the house of God says about Him. You you take a look as we talk about the house of God. What do you think it says about Him? So in the book of Revelation, John gets a vision. God kind of gives John this vision about heaven, about what it's going to look like. And just so you know, God doesn't have a three-bedroom ranch. He gets a city, right? That's how his house is. He gets a city. Um, uh, and so John gets to see around God's house. And it's pretty cool. And he tells us about it. Romans chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. This is what we read. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is a beautiful city. It says, And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. And in God's home, he says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Sounds like a good home. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy, true. And he said, it's finished. My home is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Skip down to verse 10. It says, So he, meaning an angel, this is John talking, took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem. He showed him God's heaven. And here we go. Here comes the tour, right? Descending out from heaven, and it says, The city shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. And there were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. So basically, he had a golden tape measure. Right? That'd be nice, Eric, like a golden tape measure, you know, to measure stuff. It's pretty cool. And when he measured it, he found it was a square. Think about this. It's a square. The city is actually a square. As wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. That's an interesting square. 14, 14, 14, 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. That's pretty thick walls, right, that go on for 1,400 miles. I mean, that's, that's a pretty impressive Lego land. Um, the wall was made of jasper. The city was pure gold, and gold is clear as glass. Just try and visualize this. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. So they just had some jewels inlaid in gold. The twelve gates were made of pearls. Imagine a gate made from a single pearl, each one made from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. 
that's a pretty opulent place, right? Do we, we can we agree that it's not like you know your run of the mill, you know, brick and mortar? It says I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices anything shame, shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right. So the city. <clears throat> it's 1,400 square miles. So think about this. A city of this size. If we plopped it down into the U.S., how big would that be for reference, okay? A city of that size in the middle of the United States would stretch from Canada to Mexico. From the Appalachian Mountains to the California border. Think about that. That's a pretty size. That's, that's basically um, like bigger than America, right? And even more astounding is the city's 1,400-mile height. So... If that's how, that's just this way. Now it goes 1,400 miles this way. Think about that. Can I just tell you, you don't need to worry that heaven's going to be crowded. <laughs> the ground level of the city will be nearly 2 million square miles. That's nearly 40 times bigger than England. 15,000 times bigger than London. It's 10 times as big as France or Germany. It's far larger than India. But remember, that's just the ground level. Given the dimensions of a 1,400-mile cube, let's say the city had different levels, right? Like you go into a hotel, right? Let's say it has different levels. And let's say that each story was a generous 12 feet high. So 12 feet is pretty good, pretty good ceiling. At 12 feet high, the city would have roughly 600,000 stories. 600,000 stories. Imagine that elevator. Man. So if they were on different levels... Billions of people could occupy this city if every person only had a couple square miles to themselves. So you'd have a couple square miles just yours, and billions of people could occupy this. Do you understand? Now listen. John tells us, says, there is more than enough room in God's house. Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you that, right? There's going to be plenty of room there. So here's the point. The numbers here may be figurative rather than literal. We don't really know. But the point is that heaven has room for everybody. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's just incredible to to think about that, just the scope and the scale of that. But why does God give numbers anyway? So the cube shape of New Jerusalem, of this city, think about this, this cube shape, it mirrors something else that God has revealed in the past. In 1 Kings chapter 6, Solomon says this. It says he prepared the sanctuary at the far end of the temple. Solomon is building the temple of God, okay, where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant will be placed. And this inner sanctuary was 30 feet long and 30 feet wide and 30 feet high. And he overlaid the inside with solid gold, and he also overlaid the altar made of cedar. So think about this. This is the inner sanctuary of the temple in the Old Testament. And what do you notice about the dimensions? They're a lot smaller, (laughs) But it's a cube. This was representative of the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. In the temple, in the Jewish temple, 
I mean, there would be different rooms. There was, you'd walk, it'd be, imagine like a big rectangle, you'd walk in and there'd be the outer courts, which everybody could, you know, the Jewish people could come in. Then there'd be the inner courts, which is where the priests could go. And then be, there was this final cube area in the back that was 30 by 30 by 30, and that was called the Holy of Holies, and that's where God was. And only God. Because His very presence would come into that place. And it's interesting when we talk about heaven, the city having the same shape, and the same dimensions, because God says, because that's where I'm going to be. My presence is going to be there fully. See, the thing about heaven is that God's going to be there in all his glory. The only difference is that we now get to go. We have access there. God's going to live in that city and his presence will be its greatest feature. And that changes things because when God's there, guess what? You don't need a temple anymore. There's no temple because God is there. Right? I saw no temple. And you don't need a sun anymore because God illuminates the city because he is the light. Right? We read that. The nations will walk in its light. There's something about the brightness. Think about the brightness of the sun. How bright is the sun? You know, don't look at the sun. <laughs> the big yellow one is the sun. Right? Yellow, sun, big, bright. Right? God is the source of light. I'm going to guess he's brighter than the sun. So imagine a source of light so bright that it illuminates a city of that size. So brightly that there's no need for lights. There's no need for a sun. There's no need for anything like that because God is the source of light. It radiates. And here's what we know about light. Light always reveals the truth. It exposes darkness. Right? You can do a lot of tricks in the dark. You know, it's like where the kid says, I'm going to do a magic trick. And so I'm going to disappear. Ready? And then they turn off the lights. And then you hear from another room, okay, turn the lights on now. Right? You know what they did in the dark. They ran out, but you can't see it. But you couldn't see it. The light's on. You can't, you can't fool things. Fool people. The lights reveal the truth. Well, in heaven, everything's going to be clear. Everything's going to make sense. There's going to be no more wondering. See, light clarifies what darkness hides. And God says, in heaven, I'm going to be the light. And you're going to understand everything. See, every once in a while, this is really cool, heaven leaks. It leaks on earth. Um, Light from heaven shines down on earth and illuminates the darkness of our world. There once was a guy who was living in serious darkness. He thought he had life figured out and he was horribly off course. And it led him to do some pretty awful things. And Luke tells us his story in chapter 9 of Acts. And he says, this man whose name was Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. Saul was trying to kill Christians. It says, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, which was Christians, that he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. He wanted to arrest and kill Christians. And as he was approaching Damascus on a mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Has light ever knocked you down? 
Have you ever had a light so bright that it literally knocked you down? I'm going to guess most of you are going to say no. You've probably, you know, had that moment where you open the lights and you're like, ah, you know, close the curtains, right? It's too bright in the morning. You know, somebody, my dad used to walk in the room and flick on the lights and I'd be like, oh, like, you know, I'm cringing and I'm, you know, shriveling up. Like just, but a light actually knocked him down. See, I just have to think that this wasn't normal light. This was light from heaven. It's so potent and so powerful that it literally knocked him off his feet. And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. It says, the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of the voice but saw no one. So they didn't see the light, only Saul saw the light. So the light's so bright, only one of them sees it. It knocks him down. Everybody else is like, I kind of hear something. Saul picks himself up off the ground and when he opens his eyes, he's blind. Because that light cannot be contained by our eyes here and now. And says, Paul remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. The rest of Paul's story is that God changed Paul's life that day and he went from being a hater of Christians to writing most of the New Testament and pioneering much of Christianity throughout the world. See, the light of heaven brought clarity to Paul. It illuminated his dark places. It went beyond his eyes and transcended his spirit and Paul understood things because of light. Light clarified and revealed the truth to Paul. It hit him like a laser beam. Because heaven is full of light, everything is going to make sense when we get there. Can I ask you, does anybody struggle with questions of why and how here and now? Do you have any times you just wonder why? Why does this happen? Why? How is this? How does that work? Why? We live in a land of darkness. And every once in a while, the light of heaven breaks through and gives us clarity and these moments where, oh, oh, we see a little bit of it. We do not see the entire picture, but we see enough to let us know that somebody somewhere has light that will illuminate all of it and make sense. See, my goal for this series is to talk about how great heaven is that all of us can't wait to die. To say, I want to go to there. I want to go to heaven. I cannot wait. I want to restore hope in heaven. Because heaven's going to be so good and I don't think we think about it enough. Heaven is going to be awesome. The light of heaven because God in his presence just exists there in this awesome space and it's going to illuminate everything and it's just going to make sense. This world has lots of dark spots. And this world has no answers. We've been asking that why question for millennium. And nobody's got an answer. I promise if there was an answer, we'd have gotten it already. Because we've been asking that question for long enough. We can do a lot of cool things. We have phones that can communicate to people without any wires. Like The technology that we have is pretty amazing. right? You can keep a dog in your yard with sounds that you can't hear. But we can't fix ourselves or make the world any safer. See, when we're in the dark, nothing makes sense. But there is great news, and it's found in Luke chapter 1. It says this, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven 
is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us in the path of light. See, the reality is this. All light that reveals truth comes from heaven. There are moments that heaven leaks. It leaks light and a little bit peeks out. and It just changes things for us. See, along the way, God lets heaven break into earth and that light is going to lead us. And here's where it's going to lead us. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. This is about the new Jerusalem. Let that light shine from heaven for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Listen, darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. We know this. We live in a land of darkness. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light, like moths to the light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see. Listen to this. For everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. See, here's the message for this morning. You ready? The light of heaven leads us home. Home. So what? So when life gets dark, look for the light of heaven. When life gets dark and we don't understand and we're wondering, let me just tell you, lift your eyes and look for the light of heaven. God may not illuminate everything in your world, but he will give you enough light that it might knock you off your feet. And it will change you and you go, you know what, I don't see it all, but I see enough to know that there's light over there. And it's going to make sense. Ask God literally to light you up. Light me up, God. Let a sliver of that precious light illuminate the dark places of my world. And when he does that, let that light radiate out of you. Because others need to see it. See, when you have light, people in darkness notice. They say things like, how can you be so sure? How can you have faith? How can you be at peace in the midst of such darkness? How do you know when you can't know? We say, you know what? There's this little sliver of light. It's leaking from heaven and it's helping me to understand just enough to know that I don't know, but there is somebody who does. And you see, this isn't home for me. I'm not home. But I know that when I get home, everything is going to make sense. I can't wait for heaven. Perhaps there's somebody you need to pray specifically for. The Holy Spirit, right, we talked about this, is going to prompt you to pray for people. It's going to put people's faces in your mind and their name on your heart. You're going to say, I don't know why I've got to pray for this person. And maybe God's just asked, leading you to say, you know, listen, God, would you just point a laser beam of light at them? A peek into heaven. Knock them off their feet. That's what we pray for people. I want them to see that there's so much more to come. Because if we'll set our eyes on the light of heaven, if we'll look and say, you know what, heaven is going to be great in the here and now, I don't get it all. But I know that someday I will. Oh man, heaven's going to be good. Heaven's the day it's going to all make sense. You're going to go, ah. You ever have that light bulb moment? You know, it's funny, we call it a light bulb moment with illumination. Light bulb. I understand, I grasp it, I get it. There's something about light that just connects us to the truth. Someday we're going to see it all. There was an old ad from a company called Motel 6. Anybody? What was it? 
We'll leave the light on for you. It was a motel. Saying, we're always ready and waiting for you. We'll leave the light on for you. That light was a sign that you were welcome, that you were expected, that we're waiting for you. Can I tell you? God leaves the light of heaven on for you. And it's a lot better than a Motel 6. <laughs> 1,400 square miles. And that's just hypothetical. It's going to be awesome. Streets of gold. Gates of pearls. And we're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come. We're going to really look at, break down what's actually inside that city and what it looks like and what heaven's going to be like. I just want to encourage you, this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home Yet to come. So heaven is your home. I don't know what your home is like. Maybe your home isn't the peaceful place that you want it to be. Maybe your home isn't the most comfortable place. Maybe there's tension in your home. Maybe there's conflict in your home. Maybe there's difficulty in your home. Maybe you don't even feel like you belong in your home. Can I just tell you today, I want to encourage you, heaven is your home. And God leaves the light on for you. And he is waiting in anticipation to be with you, to reveal himself in fullness, to know you and to have you know him in his fullness. Revelation 22, verse 16 reads, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. I am that light. And listen, says the spirit and the bride. Say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, thirsty for the truth, thirsty for knowledge, thirsty for understanding. I just, God, I'm, I'm dying in this world trying to understand how and why. If you are thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Jesus is speaking to you and to me and to our community, to our country, to our world. He's speaking to our co-workers, to our family, to our friends. And his words are very simple. Come home. Come home. I'm telling you, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And the church, us, you know what we are? We're a little bit of heaven. A little bit of heaven. Because this is, this is just a small piece that somehow this is supposed to be When you come here, it's just a taste. Our streets are paved with purple carpet. Right? And the walls are green and, I don't know, beige with brown and white. I don't understand the color scheme. Brass, kind of like gold, but kind of not. Not really a square either, but it's big enough. Plenty of room. You could have space in your pew. Um, But what makes this home is the fact that you're welcome here. We expect you here. We love you here. We want you here. We're waiting for you here. Together, I'm telling you, someday when we get to heaven, it's going to be great. And we try as we gather together to make a little more sense, to share the light Say, listen, I don't understand all of life, but I got a little sliver. 
I'm going to show you a little perspective that God gave me. And when I share it with you and you share your perspective with me, there are times where I don't understand things and somebody will say something and I'll go, oh, oh, okay, that helps. It doesn't give me the whole picture, but it's enough. When we come together, we just start to shine light. And people out there, they notice because everybody is in the dark and everybody is struggling with understanding why and how. And if we will take our moment and shine what God gives us, it will make a difference. Or we can just pretend, keep it to ourselves, hide it, and they will never know. I'm telling you, don't do that. This little light of mine, it's a song, it's a group learned as a kid. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I just want to encourage you. When you share with others the light that God has put in you, the understanding about who He is and about this world, what you are doing is you are bringing heaven to them. And you are giving them a glimpse of what's to come. I cannot wait to die. It's going to be awesome. But as long as I'm here, I want to let everybody else know that they're all invited into God's home. They're all invited. God's throwing a party. It's going to be, we used to say, off the hook. Now maybe it's off. Then I don't even know. It, now it was lit. Now there's probably, I think there's another word I was... I don't know, what's, is there another, is there a cooler word, kids? Anything better? What is it? Anything? I don't know. It's just, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be groovy. It's savage, savage. There you go. It's whatever it is. It's going to be all of those things. I'm telling you. I can't wait to tell you more about heaven, but I have to because... Seriously, you guys are like, seriously, is he done yet? I'm sorry. I get excited when I talk about heaven. I think we need to talk about heaven all the time because that's our hope. It's what gets us through today is knowing that the best is yet to come. best is yet to come. Let me just pray over you guys and then I'll give you a minute to take to, as we, as we close our service today. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the truth. I thank you that you loved us so much that you have prepared a place for us. This world is not our home, Lord. Your home is going to be our home. And when we get there, all these questions we have, they're going to make sense. We're going to have answers. Your light is going to reveal the truth. And all of that angst, all of that unknowing, all of that struggle, that wrestling within us to understand, Lord, if we will just put our faith in you to say, God, my faith in you transcends my ability to understand and answer all the questions. Lord, if I can just trust you. But someday, that light is going to burst into my being. And everything is going to make sense. I thank you, Lord, that we have that to look forward to. And then, Lord, I thank you for those moments here and now where you do 
just let out just enough light to knock us off our feet. To let us recognize that there's something so much greater. And if there are those here today that have, have yet to have that experience, God, I pray that right now, right here, maybe nobody else sees, but that they would see, Lord, that somehow you would just, like a laser beam, just speak to them. That somehow this morning you would have done something to reveal yourself to their heart. And as we're praying this morning, if, if that's you, if you just desperately want the light of heaven to knock you off your feet, say, God, I just want to know that you're real. God, I want to see you. I want, I, want, I want to understand what I can't understand. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, God, I just want you to see me. Help me right now. God, you see these hands. Lord, you see our hands. You see our hearts. I welcome you and invite you to release heaven on earth. But right now, just burst down upon us. And Lord, for those of us that have received that, that do know you, Lord, would we have the courage, would we have the excitement and the eagerness to shine our light, to let other people see the heaven that is yet to come. And if that's you today, if you say, I just, I want to be a light. I want others to, to know God because of my life. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm in. I want to let my light shine. I want to let my light shine. God, you see our hands. I ask you to pour through us. Lord, would you radiate from inside of us? Holy Spirit, as you dwell within us, Change our face. Change our countenance, our being. Would there just be something inside us that people say, I don't know what it is about you. You just just look different. There's light that comes from inside of you. God, would you do that in our hearts? We invite you. Use us. Set us ablaze for you. I thank you because you are good. We commit ourselves to you. Use us, God. Thank you for heaven. Can't wait to get there. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.